turn with me to the passage we read together a moment or two ago in 1 Peter, and we'll read together again the verses 15 and 16 as we come to God's Word. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. Well, with the word of God open before us, let us turn to God in prayer for a moment. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to thee not simply as a matter of course, but with a deep recognition of our requirement that the Holy Spirit teach us in all that is said and in all that is heard. And so we pray be with us now that we would find that our meditation upon the word is sweet and that it is profitable to us. And while, O Lord, for a time it may enter into our very uh, bowels, as it were, and cause them to feel bitter as we think upon our own sin and our failings, yet may it be to our eternal blessing that we are challenged by thy word. Be with us now, we pray, and receive our praise, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned there, the verses 15 and 16 particularly are our text for this evening, where I want us to look at this true description, of, or this description of true Christianity, what it is to be a real believer. You know, there are lots of people go around and they say they're Christian and they think maybe they became a Christian by being born in a country where Christianity is well known. They think, well, it's a sort of religion of the nation into which I was born. Therefore, almost by osmosis, I've sort of become a Christian. You know, it's just seeped into me because I was born in a Christian country. Of course, you and I know that's not the case. I think even the young boys and girls would be able to tell me that's not how you become a Christian. That's just the way you become the member of a particular nation or something. And even then, it doesn't always work that way. So here we are. And we are looking at a true Christian, true Christianity. What is it? Well, of course, true Christianity we see here described in this way. But as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, as uh, for I am holy. Now, first of all, then, I want us to see that a Christian is a person who has been called by God, as he which hath called you. And that's very important, because, you see, the calling of God is essential, it's foundational, it's fundamental to becoming a Christian. There are those who perhaps have uh, some idea generally about what it is to be a Christian, but there is that particular change that comes when a man or a woman or a young person is changed personally, when they are called by God Graciously. Now, of course, the theologians amongst you have instantly said, well, you know, pastor, there are two types of calling. 
there is a general call which goes out in the gospel. And that call is heard by all. And you're absolutely right. Of course there is. And we know that that general call is issued out to whoever hears it to come and to trust in Jesus Christ and to know that there is salvation full and free which is proclaimed in the gospel. But there are many who are called in that way who are not called in another way. And that way is what's called effectual calling. And that's where the call reaches deeper than merely the auditory uh, member of our faculties. It's not just that we hear something, it's that actually God takes a grip of us within. And we are changed, we are radically changed from being those who were dead in trespasses and sins, but we are called out of it unto faith in Jesus Christ, to a new life, to a glorious change which comes through the gospel. So there's this effectual call. And it's really that second call which is being dealt with here, or at least is being intimated and taken, as it were, almost as a sort of foundational basis upon which he's going to go into the motivation for doing what they're to do. He's saying, you have at a time been called. And the call here is one which is effectual. It's changed them. Now, the thing about that effectual calling is this, that it is something that is founded upon God's eternal choice. We were chosen in eternity because God hath from the beginning we are told in 2nd Thessalonians chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth so the spirit sets us apart and brings us to true and saving faith and that purpose of God was set in eternity that's something that is beyond our understanding but we know this that God in his grace and his mercy freely set his love upon sinners and called them in time to a knowledge of himself it's not that they were any better in and of themselves for all had sinned and come short of the glory of God but God in his grace and mercy set his choice upon some and that choice is what in time showed itself in our effectual calling actually a little later in first peter in chapter two if you just turn over to the next chapter in verse number nine there Peter is writing and he says with regards to these ones, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And there you see the idea of that calling of us out of darkness into light being founded upon God having chosen us to be his people. 
And so there is that foundational aspect. Christians are those who are called as he which hath called you. They have been chosen in eternity and therefore called in time. It's a wonderful little verse there in Mark 13. And it says, And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. Speaking of Jesus calling his disciples there when he was upon earth. But it's a wonderful picture of the way in which the Lord works. He calls unto him whom he would and they came. You see the power and authority and sovereignty of Christ. And you see the willing heart in the day of his power drawn to obey and to come unto him. So there is this calling in time. When we read with regards to the way in which Christ dealt with sinners, we know this. That he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. You see, in that he calls us, he calls us not because we are good or better than others, but we are sinners just like everyone else. But God, who has set his love upon us, in time calls us from our sin and our shame into the knowledge of the glorious light and liberty of the sons and daughters of God. So those who are the called, those ones who have been called effectually, they've been set out from the herd, as it were. They've been set apart unto God. They are those who were chosen in eternity, called in time, and changed completely and forever. You see, because they are called, they are a different people from what they were before. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why? Because God's done a work. And that work changes us dramatically, effectually, and permanently. I'm not saying there won't be bumps in the road. There most certainly are. And everyone who has been called, including those that Peter was addressing here, can give testimony to that, the way the Lord has to deal with us and graciously keep us. And were it not for his keeping of us, we would all confess that none of us could keep ourselves. But faithful is he that calleth us who also will do it. The one who has drawn us out is the same one who will keep us unto the day of redemption. And so there is there, first of all then, this wonderful fact that there are those who have been called, not just generally, but effectually. Old Augustine, he's always worthy of a quote, you know, he was a, a mighty theologian in his day, and his benefits have gone down to us in our own day. And he said in a very famous quote, I'm sure some of you know it very well, Thou did seek us when we sought thee not, did seek us indeed that we might seek thee. It's not that we sought God, but that he sought us and drew us to himself. So here Peter is dealing with these Christians scattered throughout 
Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, all these various regions and the then uh, known world that they was reaching out to. And along with Peter, there was Paul and others reaching out into these areas. And as he's writing, he's saying to them, you who have been called, you who are different because you believe you've been changed. God has made you new creatures. You're not what you once were. You're not all that you one day will be, but thank God you're not what you were. And you're not all that you should be, so you're being changed day by day by God's grace. But you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So there's that change that has taken place. And it's one that will continue on through time. You remember Paul when he is writing to the Philippians. He says this. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. What's Paul saying there? Well Paul's saying. There's something I'm absolutely convinced about. Something that I recognise and understand and know. Cannot be gainsaid. Paul is writing and he's saying to the Philippian believers. I am confident of this very thing. In God I am confident in his word that Lydia and the jailer and all the other saints there in Philippi who believed through the preaching of the word. I am confident of this, that God who has begun a good work in you, and he will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. And he will keep you until then. You see, he's saying, I'm confident of this, that what God has started in you and in me, he will continue until the end. Because just as we have here in the words of Peter, the one who has called them, has called them and will keep them until the day of their glorification. They are being watched over and kept by Christ. This is a promise for every man and woman and child who turns to Christ in the fellowship of the gospel that if you trust in him, he will not let you down. What a wonderful assurance Paul had. He was confident. He was well aware that God was able, having begun a good work, to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing then. These ones that are being addressed are being addressed as ones who have been called, as you, as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And there the Christian who has been called is called to be consistent in his walk. You see, the fact that God has dealt with us graciously and the fact that God has given us this wonderful confidence that faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 
there is no room, therefore, for saying, Ah, well, once saved, always saved. That means I can go out and live any old way. Not a bit of it. You remember how the Apostle Paul responded to such heretical uh, thinking. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Meganoito, never let it be thought. God forbid, as we have it in our translation. No, you can't. If God has called us, he's called us not to sin, but to holiness. And a Christian is committed to godly consistency. He's called to it individually. Here Peter is addressing all those strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia and so on. Elect according to the Father and so on. He's dealing with a whole lot of people and a whole lot of places, but he's saying you have to deal with this one by one. And my friend, there's no use looking and saying, well, surely if so-and-so does this or if such-and-such a person does that, can't I do that? As he which hath called you as holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Stop trying to wheedle out of it. Stop trying to take away the spotlight from yourself on this one as God has called you graciously and individually. So graciously and personally honour him in a holy life. As he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy. And that's important today because so often we can forget that the need of individual personal holiness in our living. We're so busy trying to make sure that we are the right theological persuasion or we have the right requirements with regards to our outward formalities and forget that we are to be a holy people and that's true of us individually and that personal responsibility and I'm sure from the youngest to the eldest here you would admit with me that personal responsibility is something that's being chopped away at today in society you do something wrong or oh, it must have been my parents they were too strict with me or it must have been my schooling they didn't teach me enough or it must have been society generally it didn't make me feel loved enough or somebody else is always to blame for our sins and our shortcomings but the truth is you and I know that when we do wrong we do it ourselves individually and we have a personal responsibility for that sin so as he which called you is holy be holy personally individually for his glory and for the good of others
One writer, Philip Brooks, said, It does not take great men to do great things. It only takes consecrated men. Men and women who are set apart to God. Young people who are living lives of holiness unto God. You're the ones that will make the difference in this world. There were a whole heap of Jews in Babylon. But it was Daniel and his three friends that made the difference. What was the difference with them from the others? They resolved in their heart not to defile themselves with those things that would have defiled them as Jews. They resolved that they individually, whatever anyone else would do, they would be faithful to God. That's why when the individual challenge came for Daniel with regards to his prayer life, he opens the door in the same way he used to, or the shutters, and he goes and he prays three times a day as he did before. He knows what's been said. But his walk with God is not, is not based upon the whim of government. It's based upon the word of God. And so he gets down on his knees and he prays to God as he always has and always would. And his three friends, we know of them as Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, we should call them. The other three names are their heathen names. But those three godly men, when others heard the sound of the various musical instruments that were being played, got down and worshipped the image that had been built there upon the plains of Jura, they were noticeable because those three stood while others bowed. They stood for God while others bowed before the idol. You see, they knew what it was to be holy because God is holy. To take a stand because God has called us to faithfulness. And we're to do that individually, or we're to do it with our friends, as those three of them did. But we're to do it continually. It's not just to be a sort of one-off thing in the big headline news-grabbing occasion. But we're to be holy day by day in everything we do. We're to give time and space to God so that our lives stand out from others. Not because of some pompous self-importance, but because of a gracious, godly stand that others see and recognize as being a faithful and holy life. And so here's Peter, and Peter knows he has his faults and failings. He knows that. 
He's failed miserably. Every time he wakes up every morning, he doesn't have an alarm clock like you and I. It's the sound of the cockerel. Every time he hears the morning come, he's reminded of his fall and his failure. But as he which has called him is holy, he knows he and you and I were called to holiness. And that's a renewed call, even as he hears the sound of his failure, it's a renewed call to show faithfulness to God. To not fail him today, to not go down that path that he went down before, but to be faithful to the Lord. And to do it in everything, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, in everything you do. Now you all know well enough that the word that we use, conversation, we normally just mean the talking to one another. You know what happens outside after the service is finished and you have a little conversation with those you know. You know that that's not all that that means here in this passage. It's talking about your life generally. It's talking about the way you live and everything you do. It's talking about the sort of people you and I are. The fragrance we leave behind us when we leave a room. Is it the fragrance of Christ? Is it something that speaks of the one we've spent time with? It should do. As he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation in everything you do. But also... As such, a Christian is commanded to Christ-likeness. And he is commanded to it because it is biblical or scriptural. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, it's interesting that you remember when the Lord was being tempted by Satan. And he responded three times from the same book in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Not usually a book that we would think of as going instantly to in order to defend ourselves, but that's exactly where the Saviour went. And three times he answered him from that book. Here, the for it is written comes not from Deuteronomy, but from another of the Mosaic books, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, from Leviticus. What he's doing is he's saying, look back to what was said in the law. Look back to what was said in the book of Leviticus, written to the Levites, to those who were to serve the Lord. And what are you and I? We are a royal People, we are a, a holy people, a royal priesthood. And it was from the book of Leviticus that these, or these quotes, I should say, because really it occurs in three places. First of all, it occurs in chapter 11, because there you read in Leviticus 11 and 44, For I am the Lord your God, therefore uh, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. It's in verse 44. 
goes on to specify, neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Because it's there dealing with the ceremonial law. It's dealing with the dietary aspects of the law that the Jews had. Those things that would separate them from other people, that would make them out to be a different people. And here the Lord is reminding his people that they are to be different. They are to be set apart from the world. Everything that they do is to mark them out as God's people. And so there, with regards to the dietary laws, he says, you are to make sure that you show your holiness. Now, of course, we don't have priests that intercede on our behalf, but we are all our royal priesthood. In other words, every true believer, every believer who comes to faith in Jesus Christ can access the Father without another human intermediary. Of course, Christ is our great intermediary and he is the one through whom we come. But we don't need another. We don't need another priest. We are all priests and kings unto our God. So we can come to him directly in prayer through Christ. But also, of course, later on in chapter 19... And there it's more to do with the moral law because he says, the Lord says, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And there in Leviticus chapter 19, it's really sort of fleshing out the practicalities of living according to the moral law. The ceremonial law, of course, was abrogated in Christ, but the moral law continues on forever. And if you want to go through and do a little study, you'll find that uh, the first and second commandment in chapter 19 of Leviticus is dealt with in verse 4, the third commandment in verse 12, the fourth and fifth commandments in verse 3, the sixth commandment in verse 16, seventh commandment in verse 29, and so on. You actually find that all the commandments are dealt with somewhere through that chapter. They're not done 1, 2, 3, 4 in that order, but they're all there. And he says, be ye holy as I am holy. And we're to be holy because as it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. We are kings and priests unto God. If you are a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you have believed you've been called from darkness to light, you are called to be special, different from the rest of the world. Kings and priests unto God. Therefore, be ye holy. For he is holy. And of course the other occasion where it comes up is in Leviticus 20 where it says, Sanctify yourselves and be ye holy for I am the Lord your God. And there it's really talking about the curses that will come upon those who don't do what they should do. And if you look at the context in chapter 20 of Leviticus, it's all in chapter 19 it's been telling you how you should live holily and in chapter 20, it's saying, here are, the, here are the curses that will come upon those who don't do what they should. Because I am holy. And so here's Peter, and he's writing to these believers, wherever they are. And he says, make sure you remember you've been called by God. So you're a different person. You're set apart to God. Be consistent in your walk. Be Christ-like. 
in all that you do and say because it's scriptural. In fact, the very principle of living for God as we ought to is seen in Amos chapter 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? If you are a child of God and you want to walk with God, you have to walk in step with him. You have to be agreed with him. That's why Enoch walked with God. And he was different from the rest of his day in that way. So different that the Lord just called him up to be with him. What a thought. He was not. For God took him. Oh, that you and I would walk so closely with God that we would seem nearer to heaven than to earth. That there would be more of eternity than of time in the way that we conduct our day-to-day living. It's scriptural and it's also a principle. It's right. Be ye holy, for I am holy. You see, we are to be those who live as honouring to the one who has dealt with us so graciously. We are to be holy because it's what we should be if we are truly the people of God. With regards to the law of God, you remember what Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the Lord, the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And we are to be holy because he is our creator is holy. You know, most of you have something that you've bought at some time, whether it's a car or whether it's a, a cooker or something else. And when you read it, the instruction manual that, it's, that you're given, you're usually told something along these lines. Follow the manufacturer's instructions. Fail to do so invalidates warranty. That's exactly our situation. We did not follow our maker's instructions. And in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Sin entered into the world and death through sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And we have been called out of that into a new life with Christ. Therefore be ye holy as he is holy. Because that is the right response for a creature to the creator. It's the right response of a child to their father. Because we have been made new creatures, but we have also been made the children of God. When you are called from the world into fellowship with Christ, you are adopted into his family, you are made his child, And you call him Father, even as we are told in the word of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We approach God now not only on the basis that he is our creator, but he is our Father. And therefore, as his children, be ye holy, for I am holy. Bear that family resemblance in the way you walk, in the way you talk, and in the way you conduct 
all that you do. Isn't that what the boys and girls get told when you go out to school or you go somewhere, perhaps to a friend's house, Mummy or Daddy looks at you and says, Now, just you remember and behave yourself because how you act reflects back on me. So you behave yourself. The lovely thing is that usually our kids are far better behaved when they go to visit friends than ever they are in their own house. But the lovely thing is they're recognising and realising their responsibility that they bear for the family name when they go to another house or to another place. They're far better behaved. Here we are, we are in foreign territory. This is not our home. Our home is yet to come. Therefore, live among your fellow men and women as children of God and show that difference in the way you conduct your life. Live as the citizens of our heavenly king, the royal priesthood that we mentioned earlier, those who are faithful unto God. Those who are different because they are faithful to the one who has called them. What a wonderful thing it is when believers show themselves to be truly the people of God. When others recognise in us, even if it's grudgingly, well, that's a real Christian. They may not always want it for themselves, but if they recognise it in you, at least you have shown them something of Christ. You are the only gospel letter, epistle that they are likely to read for the most part. You are living epistles known and read of all men. They see you. They read your life from day to day. Therefore make sure it reads well of the one who has saved you. Because he is your God and you are a Christian. Be ye holy. For he is holy. John writes in his lovely first epistle, Every man talking about the love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should now be called the sons of God. And he says, The world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. That when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And then he says this, Every man, and that's there, it's not gender specific, it's talking about man or woman, every person that has this hope in him, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. It's the same idea in Paul, in John, and here in Peter, we purify, we live a life of holiness because the one who loved us and gave himself for us, the one who has called us out of darkness into light, is holy. Therefore, we are to be holy. Our 
hardly Kuiper said when God shows certain persons unto eternal life, he did not do so in order that they might be in Christ, but he viewed them from eternity as being in Christ. It all started in God's eternal plan when we were chosen before the foundation of the world. But when we are called, as you are called, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. If you are called, then be Christ-like, for he is holy. You and I should be also. May the Lord enable us to honour him in this way. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we feel, we recognise that we fall so far short of all we should be. Thou art holy beyond all our understanding, even the unfallen angels veil their faces, the twain of the wings, they veil their faces, twain they cover their feet and with to others they fly. But, O oh, our God, we do not have the same ability, but we recognise that we, at this time, cannot behold thee with open face, but we look forward to that day when we shall, and shall be changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. O oh, Heavenly Father, Make us to be a holy people, a faithful people, a loving people, a gracious people. May the gospel of Christ so work within us that others will see Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that seeing him they will see and fear and trust in the Lord. Be with us, we pray, as we go from this place. May we go in the strength that thou dost give, Pardon all that offends. Love us freely. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to sing in conclusion our final singing, which is found in Psalm number 135. Psalm 135, and singing together from the beginning of the psalm. We read to sing Psalm 135, the verses 1 to 6. Praise ye the Lord, the Lord's name, praise ye sir, his servants, praise ye God, who stand in God's house and in the courts of our God make abode. Praise ye the Lord, for he is good unto him, praise his sing. Sing praises to his name, because it is a pleasant thing. For Jacob to himself the Lord did choose of his good pleasure, and he hath chosen Israel for his peculiar pleasure. Because, the Lord, because I know assuredly the Lord is very great, that above, and that our Lord above all gods in glory hath his seat, what things soever please the Lord, that in the heaven did he, and in the earth, the seas and all the places deep that be. Psalm 135, these verses 1 to 6, to the praise of God.
Well, just a few intimations. Uh, the e well, the uh, prayer meeting on Thursday is at 7:30 p.m. and is to be taken by Mr. Derek McLean. The, ne the services next Sabbath are at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6:30 p.m. and the preacher is expected to be the Reverend John McPherson. Uh, there is the Inverness Presbytery, which will meet in this building on Tuesday at 11 a.m. for visitation of records and thereafter at 12 noon for any further business. There's also a training session in CPR and for the use of the planned defibrillator, uh, which will take place in the church on Monday the 6th of March at 7 p.m. Please add your name to the list in the vestibule if you would like to participate. These are all the intimations, except to say thank you very much for your kindness to me today and all that has been done, and that my congregation also send their regards uh, and wish you well as you seek to bear witness to him here in Inverness. Let us close with the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you. And all who love our Lord Jesus, sincerely and in truth,